0: Hello and welcome to the 66 to 87 podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Radio. Penguins go back top of the division with a crazy 8-4 to four win over the Buffalo Sabres. This is Tom Reed joined by Taylor Haas and Dave Molinari who were both at the arena tonight to see uh, the Jeff Carter show. And we will be joined a little bit later by Penguins' goaltending uh, – how would you describe him, Taylor? Andy goaltending Chiodo development a coach. Goaltending development coach. Uh, yeah. He will be joining us in our third segment. Uh, but let's dive right in uh, to a um, uh, an impressive offensive output, even though uh, the game was a little hairy against the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, defensively, Dave, what's your headline coming out of
1: this game? Well, you yeah, know, it, it's tough, but I figured we'd go with the guy who scored four goals. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, this was certainly the the Jeff Carter show. Uh, you know, the Penguins had you know pretty high expectations of him when they traded for him, and I really wondered just how much they could count on a thirty six year old to uh, to contribute, uh, but I mean, he has certainly exceeded what I expected of him. And I'm I'm thinking that probably, you know, the same is true of the team. He, he's he been very good. And, you know, tonight, uh, for as long as he's been in the league, this is the first time he scored four goals in a game. And he even said afterward that he didn't think he had done it in junior. So this was uh, quite a performance by Carter. Uh, just to stay
0: there for one second, and you can both comment on it. I mean, if you're going to get a fourth goal, there's not <laughs> more um, uh, many more pretty goals, and I don't mean setup, but just the backhander, which is kind of a lost art anyway. But that backhanded goal he scored for his fourth goal was a thing of beauty, Taylor. I mean, just that goaltender never had a—he had no idea what was coming there.
2: Yeah, I mean, and I feel bad for for Michael Hauser. I think he's there fifth string goalie at this point um they have three guys hurt another on uh family leave so yeah um tough night for Hauser the uh Wexford PA native but yeah I mean just what uh Carter did to him on that on that fourth goal that was um that was something the most impressive of of the four goals including um you know that was when Crosby set up on that too that it was just uh just uh great um yeah great showing
0: uh UI uh uh for for our listeners and our hope our readers as well, uh Taylor will be writing about Freddie Hockey, correct?
2: Three point yeah, nine. The best Cadreau in the league. Um but, <laughs> but I mean yeah, three point nine, that's a career high for him. Um it just uh he's been such a cool story to see uh you know him work his way back into the NHL and then stick around the way he hasn't contribute. I mean, um when the Penguins do start to get healthy. I don't know – I like, I don't think you can take him out of the lineup. I think, you know, Tana comes back, you reunite him with the fourth line, but then when Rodriguez comes back, as good as Rodriguez was playing before, I just don't see you knocking, you know, Freddie out of the lineup for him. He's just been been playing so well, and that line's been um, just so good together. But, uh, yeah, I mean, good good to see him get rewarded the way he did.
0: Daryl Sutter might agree with you, by the way, on the good rows. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah.
2: laughs> e- effort-wise, um, maybe.
0: Um, uh dave now again uh a four goal win but um uh, i would have to think there were at the same time again it is buffalo and uh there were there was some sloppy play tonight I, I i thought they were you know four goals just tells you that they were a little loose defensively
1: yeah and uh you know that kind of Defensive performance will get you run out of the playoffs pretty quickly because you're not going to score eight in a playoff game very often. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it was sloppy's a, a, a pretty good term for it. I mean, there were some some suspect decisions made, uh, some some poor execution. Uh, you know, they uh, finally, you know, they were able to. Take their game to a level that the uh, that the Sabers couldn't match, but you know I think Mike Sullivan and his staff can't be entirely uh, pleased with this game just because of the the you know these what I consider a subpar defensive performance.
0: Um, all right, let me ask you guys both this question. Uh, I mean, no one's ever going to accuse the Penguins of being a one-line team, even though it's a ter- the, a terrific first line that has carried them in in many ways this year. But I would think as a, if I was a Penguin fan, I would be very encouraged right now by the the secondary, uh, third level even scoring that they are getting going into the playoffs. And obviously, Jeff Carter coming over has helped, and, and with Malkin eventually going to probably get back his – full game at some point Taylor how encouraged are you about where where the goals are coming from in this lineup
2: yeah the uh just the secondary scoring um' and scoring throughout the lineup it's 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 what they need going into the playoffs and it's something they were lacking uh last year I mean we we've talked about it before where the third line was uh you know it's kind of a real weakness last year and just to see it come together the way it has and then like we I mean I just said with Tanev coming if you can you know, put that line back together. We know what that line's capable of. Um, but, yeah, just to get scoring throughout the lineup, that's, that's what you need, um, you know, going into the playoffs, especially if they end up playing a team like Boston where, you know, they do only have one line. Uh, I mean, this could be a huge advantage.
0: Dave, uh, four goals to the, to the Sabres aside tonight. There's one game left in the regular season. Do you you feel this team's ready for the playoffs?
1: Um, well, they, they don't have much choice. <laughs> Well, yeah, but do, 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 um, you, do you feel their
0: their their games in pretty good shape going in?
1: Um, you know they're they're scoring almost at will. I mean, fifteen goals in the past two games, but you know they gave up four to the uh, the Sabers on Thursday night, and they gave up seven to the Flyers a few nights before that. You know, I, I think they have to be concerned about about their defensive play, and they they've got to. Uh, Tighten it up, uh, and you know it's not even just a question of doing it in the the regular season finale on Saturday. I, you know they'll they'll have some practices to work on it, but you know when you're this deep into the season, if you still have defensive issues, you know I'm not uh, completely optimistic that you're going to be able to resolve them. Uh, how much? I mean, Tristan we've we've talked so much about Tristan Jari
0: this season. Right now, where is your level of confidence with him? I mean, I know a lot of what we're talking about is just sloppy play in front of him, but uh Taylor, we'll start with you on this one.
2: Yeah, I mean he didn't have a a, a great night tonight, but I think uh just looking at the games leading up to this and just how well he's playing, I think um he is in, in a in a good spot. Uh he has been he was heating up before this. Uh I, I wouldn't yeah, like put too much into this game. I think um there's you no know, reason to be confident in him heading into the playoffs
1: Dave uh pr- pretty much the same uh the, yeah this the uh game against the Sabres was certainly not his best, but I you know i I'm more concerned about the play in front of him than, than I am with with Jari's play yeah i yeah that i I agree
0: wholeheartedly Islanders lose again. Uh, last night, uh, they are looking more and more like the team that is could well finish fourth in the division. Uh, it is going to be a wild, uh, wild finish uh, in this division. Uh, the Penguins could still end up winning it. Uh, the Capitals certainly, with those games in hand, have a chance to take it home. It, it's going to be a, a great finish. Uh, please keep reading us, listening to us on DK Pittsburgh sports, the 66 to 87 podcast. And when we come back, we'll have our roundtable session. And uh, we might even mention Tom Wilson once or twice. Stay with us. Welcome back to the 66 to 87 podcast here on DK Pittsburgh sports radio. Uh, all right. You know, we, it seems like we've been talking about this race, uh, for first playoff positioning or the making the playoffs and, and the seeding. And, it guys, it looks like it's going to go down to the last day for the Penguins and beyond because Washington will still have one more game. Uh, how do you uh, approach this last game? Do you, do you really care that you want to win the division? Or uh, if you're Mike Sullivan, would you try to maybe rest a couple of your guys Come uh, a couple of guys that have had logged heavy minutes this season. Uh, give them that last day off and give them a, an extra couple of days uh, to get ready for the playoffs. Taylor, we'll start with you.
2: Yeah, I, you know, because those those two points could end up mattering uh, for home ice advantage, if not, you know, in uh, you know this first series or two, but maybe in a future, you know, in matchup against a team from another division once you get to third round or maybe even the final. Um, yeah, so I. It, I don't think they should go out there and like try try to kill themselves, uh, acting like it's a game seven. But I I I don't think you like rest your your starters in that last game, uh, especially because I don't know it's, it's, it's it is the Sabers, uh. So yeah, no, I I still think right. you go for the
0: ice. Uh, Dave, you always mention this when we get into this conversation about how the Penguins sometimes in, in the past have struggled with home ice advantage in game sevens, and one of the interesting things here is. The Penguins obviously have been a very good home team. And I guess we're, I'm, I'm guessing right now it, it possibly could be a second round matchup with Washington if both teams were lucky to get through. Washington has got one of the best road records in the league. Uh, so, f- from your standpoint, does that matter? Does that balance out? How would you approach that last game as far as try to win it and see if we can get the division or it's not that big of a deal because we're going to have to win Washington in a second round game or. Again, we, they may finish third, but how would you approach that last game?
1: Oh, I, I think you finish as high as you possibly can, uh, by, and you do it by ideally striking a middle ground between the, the two extremes. I think you dress your you know playoff lineup for. For that last game on Saturday, Uh, but you don't necessarily play your guys as many minutes as you normally would. Now, the the one added wrinkle here is that there's going to be a longer break between the end of the regular season and the start of the playoffs than there normally is. So you'll have an opportunity to get some rest that uh, you wouldn't have in a normal year. I mean, the you know we still don't know what the, what the starting date of, of the playoffs will be uh but we do know that it won't be you know next wednesday which would you know normally be the uh the start because you know there will uh be games actually in the north division going on uh, well past that so uh yeah. you know that 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 does cast things in a slightly different light but the history aside and and you know the history uh, in uh of having home ice advantage is is interesting but I still think you have to approach this as a season unto itself and if you have a chance to get home ice um I think you would like to do that
0: yeah and there's a couple teams when it's, it's really interesting you look at the Islanders I mean, and again, it's regular season. We know the game changes in the playoffs. And full marks the Islanders; they went to the conference final last year, and I, I, I still think they're a dangerous team. But they are, they are so lopsided at home. They, are one of the best home records in the league. They're, te- they're, they're below 500, well below 500 when you count the losers' points as losses on the road. So, uh, that's a, a series where if, if if it's Pittsburgh or the Islanders, that could definitely kind of work in, in, in their favor as far as having home ice. And, again, the we don't want to – if it gets Dave Molinari one less trip to the Islanders, I'm sure, Dave, you're all
1: for it. I would certainly endorse that. Uh, but if you want to go back to history, if there's one team the Penguins don't want to see in the playoffs, it's the Islanders. <laughs> Some of yeah. their uh, their biggest playoff heartbreaks have been inflicted by, uh, by the Islanders over the years. So –
0: um, yeah that's uh, but, right. but again
1: I I don't know that uh, you know what's happened in the past will have any uh, impact on on what transpires this year
0: you know as, as we get closer to the playoffs and it, it, people are all excited about the skill and the speed that we're going to see uh, we w- have been reminded this past week of uh, at times how this game still cannot shake the, the shackles. Yeah. Of, of the way the game was played for a hundred years and the codes of the game and all that nonsense. And of course, speaking uh, about what happened this past week with the two games with the Rangers and the Capitals and Tom Wilson and some of the, uh, I'll just come out and say it, that the despicable acts that he performed in the first game against uh, the Rangers, you know, grinding Pavel Buchnevich's head into the ice and then, Flipping the helmet of Artemi Panarin, one of the biggest stars in the league, off, and it looked to me like he grabbed his hair and pulled him down. Uh, Panarin very fortunate uh, that he did not hit his head first, or there could have been a serious injury. Uh, the league responds by giving Wilson a five thousand uh, dollar fine, the maximum, according to George Paros, that he he could levy, and then it was everything was predictable about what was happening. The Rangers basically come out and put out a declaration of war uh, through their PR department, and uh, most fans have probably saw what happened the other night. Uh, slap shot hockey, a line brawl to start the game. Wilson uh, uh, Smith go at it. Uh, Bucinevich comes back, hits, it Hits uh, I think it was uh, Anthony Manta in the face with a stick. Uh, just ugly stuff. Taylor, I know you wrote about this in your talking points the other day. When you look at what happened, how should this have been handled? And could it have been a lot different had it been handled that way?
2: I mean, they should have suspended Wilson. That's how it should have been uh, handled. I think maybe, you know, that game still would have been chippy, even if uh, Wilson would have been suspended. But it definitely would have gotten uh, this out of hand. And uh, I mean, Brendan Smith was the one that fought Wilson. And he said after the game that um, he had to step up because the NHL didn't do anything about it. Um, so I, 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 it, it was embarrassing, um, I think, for the league. It should be embarrassing for the league. I don't think they're embarrassed by it. Um, but, I mean, they're lucky that nobody was seriously hurt in, in that um, as a result of, of the tensions. Uh, but it, 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 it all could have been avoided or at least lessened if they had just suspended Wilson.
0: Dave let's pick up from that point right there that, that, uh, of what Taylor just mentioned. I think I think I don't want paraphrasing here that the league didn't mind it. And there has been this feeling for years about the, the league itself that when it, when it, we will suspend when it comes to maybe a flagrant hit, an elbow to the face or, or whatever, with Tom Wilson, he you know he 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 has been suspended five times. He was suspended seven games his most recent time for Brandon Carlo. But when it comes to fighting and some stuff that happens after the whistle, they seem to be continue to be the old boys network with the league. That hey, it's a scrum; something can happen in this scrum. Where do you come down with that kind of stuff?
1: Well, I, I think it's ridiculous, um, and I think the league. Priorities were made pretty clear when the Rangers were fined 50 times what Wilson was fined for complaining about the way the situation with Wilson was handled by the league, you know, as opposed to, you know, punishing Wilson for, for what he did that could have resulted in some really devastating injuries. Um, you know, guy, guys have one brain. And uh, you know, Wilson did things that risked serious damage to uh, a couple of players in that regard. And you know, it it makes you wonder if if the name of of the Department of Player Safety is intended to be ironic, because uh, you know, taking care of players and safeguarding them against the acts of uh, their opponents at times really doesn't seem to be much of a priority.
0: So I'll share this with you from my sister-in-law, uh, who's a big Penguins fan, and like oh, most Penguins fans, they hate Sam Tom Wilson. But she wa- she wanted to know what's wrong with this George Soros guy. What <laughs> is wrong with George Soros? And I'm like, oh my gosh! I mean, let's not get into conspiracy things here. It's Peros, not Soros, because that's a whole another conversation that I don't want to have with you. Uh, But but Penguin fans uh, do get their blood boiling and with understandable reason with Tom Wilson. And now the Ranger fans are the same. And let's be honest here, folks, uh, they the Penguins, there's a very decent chance uh, that the Penguins and Washington Capitals meet again in the playoffs like they seem to always meet, especially in the second round. And they may have to deal uh, with Tom Wilson again. And a couple nights ago, uh, the Penguins got a little bit of taste of that kind of hockey with that second game with the Flyers. Taylor, what did you make of the mayhem in that game against Philadelphia?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, Dave Dave wrote about it in his in his game story. Just a couple of dirty moments. I mean, the slew footing of Rust, and then um, Goss' is bare. The the boarding of, of Mark Friedman uh, right after he scored the empty net goal. I mean, that could have been. Uh, They're lucky Friedman wasn't hurt on it, but I mean that was that was very dangerous. He wasn't expecting um, to get contact at that point, and he could have, you know, gone headfirst to the boards. Um, Luckily, he didn't. And then, I mean, I think it's uh, interesting that Goss's bear got two games for that. You know, given what had happened with Wilson the day before, um, only getting the fine, I think Goss's bear absolutely deserved what he got. I just think. it's like there's a giant spinning wheel at department of player safety. And that's how they divvy out the suspensions and fines because it doesn't always make sense. But, um, I think the Gosses Bear one at least did, but yeah, I, it, the Penguins won that game. So, I mean, they, they handled it well. Um, and they came out on top and it kind of goes back to, uh, what the series in, in Washington, the last one, um, they were heavily out hit in both games. Um, and they still, they still won both. Um, I, I I asked Matheson about you know like the physicality after uh, the first game, and he said um, uh, he basically said he didn't think they needed to add more of it to match Washington's physicality, and that they could just uh, play their game. And if Washington wants to give themselves penalties, they can make them pay on the power play. So um, I think that's what we could see if they play them again in the playoffs.
0: Dave, I want to go back to the leagues for for a second here, and one thing that always Seems to uh, drive me crazy, and not, not just about Tom Wilson, but a way they officiate things as far as supplemental discipline. If if Artem if if that same situation happens with Tom Wilson and Artemi Panarin, and Panarin doesn't get his shoulder down, and he cracks his head on the ice and is badly injured, do you think he's getting a five thousand dollar fine?
1: Do you think Tom Wilson uh, gets
0: a five thousand dollar fine?
1: It, it does seem like the. Uh punishments handed out by the league uh, are based not on the action of the offending player but on the result of the action. Um, I think that if, uh, if Panarin had been badly injured, uh, Wilson's punishment would have been greater, although I don't know that uh, there was any punishment for what he did to Panarin. You know, the
0: uh, no, it had nothing to do with it. It was, right. it was all only yeah. the Buchnevich. This again, yeah. this is the league that it's like it's like a scrums like hey, it's a scrum, you can get hurt in a scrum, you get in a scrum, you can get hurt. Well, Panarin was only in there helping out a teammate who was already at the bottom of the
1: pile, yeah. Um, it's it's all very exasperating, and, and I mean, it, it it that kind of stuff, uh. You know, I, I thought hockey had been evolving away from that, and and hopefully, uh, some of the stuff that's going on generally involving Tom Wilson uh, will turn out to be an aberration rather than a return to the dark ages of the NHL. But it's a shame because you know the it, the the kind of attention this brings to to the game. Uh, really doesn't benefit anyone in in the game it's it's not good for the NHL i mean perhaps i i haven't seen the numbers but perhaps they got a a rating spike on the on the telecast of the the rangers capitals rematch but you know people slow down to look at car wrecks too that you know that doesn't mean they want to you know get uh, be around car wrecks all of the time it's it's just I, I don't understand the league's tolerance for, for that sort of thing.
2: Yeah. I mean, for I, that, I, for that one game, I, I'm sure the ratings were great. Um, but I think for the overall league and, and, and overall ratings and uh, attention the league can get, it's better to have guys like Panarin healthy in the league. And I mean, Panarin's, uh, you know, done for the year because of, because of someone like Wilson. And it's just confusing. Cause like Wilson's a good hockey player. Like if you take all of right. this out, like he, he's, he's good. He doesn't need to be doing all of this. So like, it's not the same as, you know, guys from the nineties were like, that's their only, you know, skill set, you know, like guys like that don't exist anymore. It's, uh, you know, guys like Wilson who like don't even have to be doing this. And they just, you know, I don't know, get their wires crossed and, and don't, uh, don't act.
0: Well, I will say this and, and I, and I agree with everything you say, but I do think, and I have talked to people, and I know you guys have probably talked to people too, sometimes more off the record than on the record, this guy scares people because of that. And, and intimidation is part of the game. And you have Tom Wilson charging you at 30, 20 miles an hour. You don't know what this guy is going to do. Is he going to slow up, just bump you? Or is he going to drive your head into the boards? And he uses that, uh, he uses that to his benefit.
1: I mean, you're, you're oh, and absolutely right. It's because right, the Hillary. league lets him get away with it. If, if, absolutely. if he was punished for it, you know, then, then- – that, that element of of intimidation wouldn't exist. You would just have to be concerned about Tom Wilson hitting you with a really hard check, which he's most capable of doing because he's a very large and powerful man. Uh, he can, he could be a physically intimidating force while, you know, largely operating inside the parameters of the rules that, you know, that that that's what's so perplexing about all of this. He's, he's the kind of player if he would just play hockey that any team in the league would love to have a guy who's that big and, and that talented. Uh, You, you really wonder what makes a guy like that tick because he's, he's doing things that, that certainly aren't necessary to keep him in the league and, you know, really should be a threat to his ability to stay in the league.
2: Well, and First people all, ask, you know, people ask at, at one point, you know, does, does the NHLPA step in and um, start defending? Because, you know, when he had the, what, 20 games. Oh, that's never going well, yeah, well, he's on the board. He's the Capitals NHLPA, right? Because Tom Wilson, so the, the call is coming from inside the house. Like, there's nothing. I don't know. <laughs> like, what? at what point is the NHLPA going to step up and side with the victim rather than, uh, you know, work with guys like Wilson to get, you know, their suspension reduced. Like when he had 20 game reduced to 16, He he's the rep. He's the rep. Like guys like him are on the NHLPA board. So like, I don't, it's not going to change.
0: There has been so much going on in the last two minutes of this podcast. First of all, I think I speak for all of our audience. Uh, an angry Dave Molinari is a good Dave Molinari, first of all. Taylor, you get big points for the calls coming from inside the house. I feel like Tony Reale here giving awarding points to people. And you're absolutely right, Dave. The league, the league doesn't mind it. And I'll get, and Taylor, I'll say this. I think Tom Wilson relishes it. You see him in the penalty box, smirk on his face. Basically, what are you going there? There is a WWE. Quality it goes, it goes
2: beyond smirking. What the the first game after when he was in the box for what he did to Panarin and Abuknevich, he was in there flexing at the Rangers, like, like it, it is like straight up WWE.
0: So so this winds. So I, I this was all coming back to a point. Taylor, you mentioned earlier your, your talk with Matheson, but Dave, seven game series. Uh, if you're playing the Capitals, we saw. Hathaway take runs, and we mentioned this a couple about a week ago on the podcast. At Crosby, is this team equipped? If the a series goes like this over the course of seven games, the, the Penguins are built very much like the Rangers. There's there's and and there's no Brendan Smith to my knowledge on the on the on the Penguins, and also who was a uh, uh, Jacob Truba was out of the lineup. But if 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 the series starts to go down this path, do you worry? About how the Penguins can handle that over the course of five or six games, and I know you're going to say, "Oh, you have to make them pay on the power play," but if you start losing guys to hits like this, this that's no good, Dave.
1: Well, make make them pay on the power play is their only option. <laughs> I mean, they right. don't have guys who are you know going to uh, you know drop. Uh, you know, one of one of the capitals. Take your pick, Tom Wilson or anybody else, uh, with with a good right uppercut. You know, they they're not right. fighters. They're they're a team based on skill. Um, you know, you, you, there certainly are people who consider that a, uh, a a soft spot in the in the lineup. You know, and an issue that that they should address. But for right now, at least you know make making the capitals pay for penalties which you hope get assessed in the first place uh is really you know their their only recourse they're taylor? they're you know they they're not going to go out and no. and punish the capitals physically that's that's not the way this team is built right taylor
2: yeah no let i understand everything
1: yeah but let me
0: ask you this Do you see, and I've I've talked to people about this subject, and I've I've had conversations with two people who said they would not be surprised in the coming year or two that we're not going to go back to what, what hockey was like in the 70s and 80s and 90s, let's hope not, but they would not be surprised to see teams starting to add guys that have that part in their game to start to make sure their star players don't get picked on would it surprise you to start to see some of that creeping back into the game?
2: I I mean, I, I wouldn't surprise me to see GMs react that way. I don't think it is necessarily the answer. Um, I don't know if the answer to, you know, like Tom Wilson is more Tom Wilson's. Um, I, I mean, you look, he, he acts like this against Vegas. Like when, when back when they were playing, you know, teams from other divisions and, and they have Ryan Reeves who, I mean, if we're talking about GMs adding anyone, it's going to be like a Ryan Reeves type. And, um, that is not enough of a you know deterrent for for Wilson to, I mean Reeves will beat him in a fight, like they will fight and Reeves will knock him you know flat on the ice. but that doesn't stop Tom Wilson from acting like a fool um, leading up to that and, and you know potentially going after star players before that happens. I, I just I think I think we will see teams start to move towards that. I just don't think uh, that it's the answer. The, the answer is the league handling it the way they should have from the beginning.
0: Well, I just, that's the thing is that we just don't, I don't see any ev- evidence of that happening. Dave, could you see going forward? Now, obviously not in this series, but could you see teams? And I know they they, Ryan Reeves did not play when he was here, but can you see teams? And again, Ryan Reeves may not be quite the example I'm looking for, but a guy, you know, again, a Brendan Smith, those type of players that maybe a, a five, six defenseman that can handle that if there is an issue uh in the future dave
1: yeah but i i mean the guy does have to be able to play I, unlike in the 70s when when you right. could get away with dressing a guy who couldn't do anything with his hands but make a fist um you you can't afford to give away a a spot in your lineup now to uh you know a
2: McIntyre.
1: <laughs> yeah uh right but uh, yeah i mean right now i i you know i i don't think teams would object to having you know guys who who can play the game but also are tough in their lineup. You know that. Yeah, I think that's always. That's what I.
0: Right, and I think we're going to see that. I do think we're going to see those type of players start to filter. i not because the issue the Penguins and the Rangers maybe are on the extreme side of it where they just they don't have any of that element in the lineup but there are a lot of teams like that now there just aren't many teams anymore that have guys that when something like this happens and maybe the other night was too extreme of example but one of your players gets run somebody has to answer for it and a lot of these teams don't have that they don't have that component and the penguins certainly don't it's going to be really interesting we could talk about this all day but we're with this segment's running long again angry Dave Molinari Good Dave Molinari. And that's the lesson from this segment. We'll be back with Andy Kyoto, uh, the Penguins' uh, the goaltending development coach. Uh, stick with us here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Radio. Welcome back to the 66 to 87 podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Radio. And we are delighted uh, to be joined by... Penguins goaltending development coach, Andy Kyoto. Andy, how are you doing today?
3: I'm great, Tom. Thank you. Good to be here. Thanks for having yeah,
0: me. Yeah, great. Yeah. And obviously, uh, you know, we were talking off air that, you know, everyone's job, everyone's life has kind of been infected, uh, impacted by this, uh, the pandemic. And I would think someone who is supposed to bounce around and all over the place and been checking on Uh, The future goaltending prospects in this organization would be certainly somebody whose work was affected. How have you dealt with this as far as normally, I'm sure you'd be traveling maybe more than you you have been. And how do you deal with as far as, you know, working with video and that kind of stuff?
3: It's a good question. There's obviously been some obstacles this season, but like anything else, you know, kind of one of the themes is roll and adapt and keep finding solutions and ways to connect with the goaltenders and with players in our organization so for me video has been a key piece you know zoom calls you know regular zoom calls with our guys whether it's you know not quite as frequent but our goaltenders overseas um or the goaltenders throughout our organization whether i'm at home in toronto or here in wilkes-barre that's been a real you know important tool just getting that face time and that connection Using video to do game reviews, you know we have some good products, you know good good software within our organization where we can upload things. And so, in answer to your question, it's it's video. It's using our our you know tools online to connect in person, and then just making sure we keep safe so that we can keep working um, and try not to get you know set back with with shutdowns from you know getting ourselves in harm's way as far as the, vi- the virus goes.
0: Andy, I have a quick follow-up on that. You know, with you guys, obviously you're working with one position and I, I hear everything you were just got done saying, but you know this as a goaltender yourself. Sometimes is it just nice to have a someone standing right beside you as far as it's your job is so technical about, you know, okay, put move a little bit this way, turn your head, get your head over your pad, this kind of stuff. Is it harder to do that stuff than it normally would be?
3: It's... Uh- In some ways, yes. And that's the beauty of it. We've been challenged. I've been challenged to, to find solutions. And that's why when I reference find solutions, it's ways to get those messages across in a little bit in a, in a different way, in a unique way, because you can't just, you know, you're not there. It can't just be touch and feel you're on the ice. where You can make those corrections live and in person. You know, when I'm away, there's sharing video with the assistant coaches here in Wilkes and sending drills to them and, then you have to make sure you push yourself to outline those drills in such detail that they can execute them when you're not there. And maybe we have our, our video coach in Wilkes-Barre video our pre-ice skate, and then he sends that to me. And you can, you you know, you, you jump on a Zoom later that day with the goaltender and go over a couple points. So certainly, it, it challenges you to, it challenges your skill set to be dynamic in how you can get those messages across. Uh, when you're in town, it's certainly great you know, to just get that real organic, you know, you're here in person feeling. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really forced myself and all of us to, to challenge our, our ways of coaching and ways of getting messages across and, and connecting.
2: Andy, I think uh, last time I talked to you, Doria had just come up from, from Wheeling and we were talking about, you know, how he was playing down there. But, I mean, since then, uh, he's just pretty much taken over the starting role in Wilkes-Barre. Just, what have you seen from him since then and how he's handled that that role transitioning into the to the
3: AHL? Yeah, Taylor, I mean, it's it's funny. We we had a chat there and a lot of the things that we talked about have continued to take shape. And, you know, that was the timing of that conversation and then his growth from there. In, you know, in short, he's getting better every day. He has a great mindset. His mentality is where it needs to be. And he's got the approach, uh, growth mindset, better every day. He continues to make adjustments in his game. He continues to get stronger um, confidence, his his mindset. And it was also nice, you know, one thing that we did touch on is Alex hasn't had a lot of in-season coaching. He hasn't had, you know, last year in, in Wheeling, he played a lot of games. He was set to probably play even 10 more than he did but this has been a great opportunity for myself and him to connect for the first time in person. So, you know, Tom, back to your question. um, This is a great example of how that connection and and coaching and, and relationship can be enhanced when, you know, you're here in person. So the last few weeks we've been able to get a lot of time on the ice together. Um, Alex has had a, he's elevated his standard of even how he practices. Um, He's, his off ice, his preparation for practice, the way he views practice um, has certainly organically improved. Um, and he's, he's been able to carry that and translate that into games and has the mindset to better get better every day and, and earn it, earn it every day. And that's what he's been doing.
2: Yeah, what, what kind of challenge has the, the taxi squad presented this year where you have goalies not able to get into games for some uh, extended periods of time? And, and specifically with Larmy, because it seemed like you know after his first taxi squad stint early in the season, he you know struggled when he came back to Wilkes for those few games. I mean, can this still be a good you know, development year for, for someone like Larmy?
3: It's certainly been a challenging one. You know, for for all the goaltenders, even with Max, Max comes down, he gets a couple games, and then he's he's gone back up to Pittsburgh to the taxi squad. And Larms was off to a you know an outstanding start to the season. He had two fantastic preseason games. He was really solid in all three of his games to start. And then the scheduling, you know, he spent some time up top, and you know, before you know it, it's three three weeks, four weeks. He comes back, and there's a little bit of a struggle, and. And, and then there's some more movement with the goaltenders. So it's difficult to get rhythm. And But at the same time, that's the reality that every organization in the league has gone through this year. And it's been a challenging one for goaltenders. You look at a guy like, you know, Anton Forsberg in Ottawa, he had, you know, gone through four waiver claims, I believe. And he had spent 20 plus days in quarantine. And then he goes and he plays a, a game for the farm team in Ottawa. And, and at this point he's got a, a new contract in Ottawa. And, and it's just been a real challenge for these goaltenders. Um, so for a guy like Larmy, yeah, it, it, it's unfortunate. He was off to a really good start. Things were going well. He had a little bit of a, an injury up at the taxi squad as well. Um, it's been tough to get into a rhythm for sure. But he's been up there doing some really good work with Mike Buckley, uh, which has been really beneficial for him. I think they've been having a good run together this last while. Um, where he's been able to get goalie practice in and, and grow and build his game. And obviously here, Alex has taken some steps. So, you know, Alex has been able to continue to play hockey here in Wilkes.
2: And uh, when, we're, when we're recording this right now, you know, Smith has heard up in Pittsburgh and, and Legacy is the backup. Um, I mean, Penguins fans haven't seen uh, any, you know, any of Legacy yet. Just what's it been like working with him and what kind of, uh, you know, go- what kind of goalie is he if he, if he does uh, end up getting into a game here at some point?
3: yeah he's it's been wonderful working with him as a as an individual and a human being. He's been great. He's had a great attitude throughout this whole season, really positive, good energy. He's taken the you know the ups and the downs of traveling between the taxi squad and really good stride. When he has played for us in Wilkes, he's been a gamer, he's had a you know good presence in the net. He's instilled a lot of confidence into the group here. Um, he's at a good point in his career where I think he knows who and what he is as a goaltender. I actually think there's a lot of room for him to even grow and develop, even though he's, you know, 27, he still has areas of his game that he can grow, which I think is exciting. Um, yeah, but he's a, he's a competitive guy. He's, you know, he, he, he plays with confidence. He plays with a good energy. And, and I think he instills a belief in his team that, you know, he's going to be back there competing to, to make saves in in his own way. It's not always going to be technically perfect. Um, you know, but that's part of, part of how his makeup is. He's, he's wanting to stop pucks and win hockey games.
1: Um, Andy, in a a conversation with Ron Hextall a few weeks ago, talking about, uh, prospects who might be flying under the radar for a lot of fans. Uh, you know, the, the focus here tends to be on, uh, Samuel Poulin and, uh, Nathan Laguerre, uh. But the, the two first two guys he mentioned were the two goalies drafted last year, Joel Blomqvist and, and Kelly Klung. Um, have you been able to assess them at all? I mean, they're, obviously, they're they're both still playing in Europe, so you wouldn't have gotten firsthand looks at them. But do you have any assessment of, of where they stand in their development and what sort of NHL potential they might have at some point?
3: Yeah, I mean, we've been able to connect – via you know zoom and and whatsapp with we've been able to build our relationship uh, even though i haven't had a visit to europe but we've been able to stay in contact throughout the season i've been able to watch you know their video watch you know the vast majority probably all their games actually um because of our you know the good programs and software we have inside the organization and both took good steps this season um they both had fantastic playoff runs Kali Klang you know, they played a relegation series. He was on a lower end team that at the beginning of the season, you know, wasn't winning hockey games unless he was in the net, which was really, you know, a testament to his, you know, he, he's got a lot of character. He's a, a guy who has a winning mentality. He takes care of a lot of the details of the game and, you know, he was playing pro hockey and he was a leader of his team. Uh, he won some awards and in the playoffs was, you know, an MVP in helping his team stay in the league and with some really good games um, you know, he's projecting, it's hard to say, you know, Dave, as far as where they project because they're so early in their development. Um, but these guys have NHL tools, both of them. Uh, they have NHL tools. They have potential to to find their way to the NHL. Um, and I think the where they land as far as can they become starters in the league, can they become effective starters in the league, I believe that's, you know, of the guys who have those abilities, it's in them. It's in both of these guys. Um, they both have areas where they have to grow and improve Um, but those those things are 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 inside their talent sets they're inside their their bodies and it's about them to pull it out and also for Joel you know not to go without mentioning his playoff run his season was was halted by COVID probably three different times where they had to take a setback and the league paused and he had to go back and play junior for a bit he played games in the top league he was playing games in the second league, which is the Mestis League. And, and by the time playoffs came, he continued to grow and elevate his game. And he took a lower end team, uh, you know, to a final game uh, for the league championship. In fact, the game before they, they were in overtime and he had an opportunity to win uh, the league. So both had good, valuable experiences as far as their development in their first years, uh, you know, in, in pro hockey. And, and I think both of them have tools to become NHL goaltenders and the next few years is going to be critical to, to, to find out, you know, how far can they take their, their set.
0: Andy, do you, do you like, you you had mentioned earlier, did you like the relegation situation? Um, You know, over here, team plays out the string when they're, when they're not playing well and they're playing for a draft pick. Uh, over there, you're playing, you're literally playing for survival to stay in that league. I right. mean, you you followed it, uh, you've been part of it. What is that? What is that like for a for a team and a player facing that situation?
3: That's incredible pressure. Sure, it's a, it, both pressure and an exciting opportunity. It's I know, it for, for example, in Sweden, there's a lot of money at stake too for the organizations and a lot of incentive to get yourself up to the first league. So, you know, there's in the second league in the El you've got the top teams fighting to make their mark and, and get into the first league. And, and it goes the same thing for the bottom teams and the top teams. So you've got this really competitive fight at the end of the season, um, and there's a lot on the line. There really is a lot on the line. So, you, you know, you, you might end up being a lower end team, and find yourself in the most competitive hockey of the season, uh, as if you're playing for a championship, but you're actually playing for <laughs> to stay in the league or or perhaps move up a league. So the approach to that is no different than playoffs. Late in the playoffs, competing for a championship, and it gets really intense. Um, it's a great experience to go through. Um, you know, it, it's a different it, it's a different angle for the team fighting to stay in the league and a team that's fighting to move up and advance to that league. Um, but nonetheless, if you can get one of your prospects playing in competitive hockey like that. Especially during a you know pandemic and a season that had so many you know setbacks and issues, I think it's it's really good for them.
0: All right, last question, we'll get you out here on this. Um, did you think 17 years later uh, people would still be talking about your first win uh, of this of your NHL career uh, with in regards to the Sabers and uh, kind of all they've gone through this this past season and, and their losing streak? were you happy that they were, they were able to finally break out of that did you have any feelings toward that at all knowing that you were part of that penguins team that that went on that 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 horrific run and you were able to end it with your uh, first win back in 0304
3: yeah, I, I definitely didn't think that we would be talking about a, a a streak like that again but it certainly brought me back and even some of my teammates at the time it, it brought conversation back of what that was like at the time and it certainly you couldn't help but reflect on it a little bit when you're seeing the Buffalo Sabres going through a similar situation and you see guys like myself that I've had the pleasure to work with and Dustin Tokarski, um, you know, to see a guy like Adam Hauser. I know this is after the, the streak ended, but there's a whole bunch of storylines that after they broke that streak that were reminiscent of what we went through in Pittsburgh that year. So you don't, you don't want anybody to go through that type of, uh, endure that type of losing streak. It, there's so much <laughs> negative energy and um, it's just challenging on so many levels uh, to see them get through it was nice. And to see the little storylines with the goaltenders, like to see Dustin Tokarski, you know, be able to take a step and get a, get an NHL win is, you know, since 2015, I believe. And then this story with Adam Hauser and the the coaching staff to come in, my junior teammate, Matt Ellis, uh, to get on the bench. And there's a whole bunch of cool things that, you know, when it seemed like rock bottom, they hit, you know, there's been some positive um, improvement since then, and and we kind of went through a similar thing in Pittsburgh. So yeah, I couldn't help but draw some parallels to our experience. Yeah. many years. Well, good,
0: good stuff, Andy. Uh, uh, that'll do it for us this week here on the sixty six to eighty seven podcast on DK Pittsburgh Sports Radio. The next time we talk to you, we will be in playoff mode. So get your playoff beards ready, uh, and we will talk to you uh, next Monday, next Tuesday. Uh, for Andy Kyoto, our guest, and for Dave Molinari and Taylor Haas, this is Tom Reed. We'll talk to you next time.